Hi, Ash. Um, it's been a couple weeks. Yeah, so we're actually on schedule, so this is feeling Yay! pretty good. Yeah, we, we agreed to do this every two weeks, and we're doing it. I, I looked in Overcast, right? So we had this thing in the last couple of weeks where, um, you know, we do the recording and then go off and get busy doing, like, uh, worky work kind of things. And then uh, <laughs> I realized about a, a little over a week into it, I was like, hey, where's that? I never saw that podcast show up in Overcast. And... Uh, then I realized, oh, it's because I'm uh, not subscribed to our own podcast. So then I went in and subscribed. And I noticed on Overcast, you know, they, they do that thing in the app where they tell you, roughly speaking, how frequently is this podcast published? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Ours got the word infrequently. And I thought, well, that's great. Because I think in the last episode, I kept referring to that single episode that we published last year. Well, it turns out that was two years ago. <laughs> I know. I, I I cannot believe where the time went. I know we had made a couple more recordings after that and ran into some audio sync issues and stuff like that. But yeah, it's like when I got to the renewal screen, it's like, it's been two years? That's bonkers. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that, that we're kind of like starting to stick to a schedule here. And you Concept. Know, exactly. <laughs> The whole idea behind I'd rather be scripting is that you and I like we're really into certain things that right. we we got into the work that we do because we love, you know, like doing certain aspects of just in life, like scripting things, writing, coding, learning new APIs, just like building fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get to a certain point where you just don't get to do as much of that anymore. Or so even true. if you even if you aren't getting to do as much or you still are getting to do some of it. Sometimes you don't get to talk about certain things that might just be like off in left field or just like random sort of like personal things that have really caught your eye that just don't have to do with, say, like the day to day job that you're working at. Oh, it's so true. And I that, that kind of reminds me actually of a thing that did happen at work recently, um, just because. Uh, we've been doing a lot of stuff and my, my day job is product manager, which has a technical bit, but doesn't let me code a lot. And we had an internal hackathon for some stuff. And all of a sudden I started realizing that my, my script, my, my scripting capabilities, my coding capabilities is starting to slip. And it's like, oh no, this, I cannot allow this to happen. Uh, Cause I was in the middle of using VS code and um, try, could not for the life of me remember, is it window.onload or document.onload? Looked it up, got it all figured out. But it's like there, there, there was a brief moment that it took me a little bit longer than usual to actually get back into the, the, the swing of coding. It's like, nope, got to get back into it. Cannot allow that to slip at all. That's just not right. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And, you know, there's there's a, a lot of time these moments where I know I can do a thing and mm -hmm. then I'm thinking through, OK, what how did how did I do that before? And I think especially when you're working on API platforms, the reality is that you will have your attention split across some things that aren't necessarily and say, like, you're just like, it's a Sunday afternoon and I'm going to like bang out a fun little project kind of, you know, favorite stack. And so, yeah, these days, like I'm spending more time, you know, on live streams talking about Ruby or occasionally PHP or something like that. <laughs> and this is fine. I've dabbled in all of these things. Uh, but then, of course, that means that it's, you know, it kind of takes you away from going to a certain level of depth and sort of your maybe your home stack or your preferred mm -hmm. technologies. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of crazy how quickly you can, it's not like you're necessarily forgetting the, the skills, but the idioms and, and, you know, the, the stuff that just used to like, was like breathing. And it's like how quickly that, that disappears. It's kind of like actually playing the piano in a way. It's like, don't practice for a week and you come back to the piano and it's like, it's an alien all of a sudden. Um, but yeah, it's like, this is why I love having the podcast is we can actually chat about those things and, and, and see what, what all the cool stuff is out there that we're, we're exploring. Totally. And one of the things that actually came up, uh, which is vaguely code, it, it is definitely code related, but like at the same time, it's, uh, it's about writing. Um, I was, I'm going to be, uh, shipping a blog post, uh, at work on Tuesday and, I was kind of messing around over the last week with, uh, okay, pop open. I, my preferred text editor um, is typically VS Code, even for mm -hmm. writing markdown files. 
And so I, I cracked that open and, you know, I haven't been writing a lot of blog posts recently. So I, I opened that up and yeah, you know, I realized, uh, you know, I started writing some stuff and then I'm getting all these like wild autocompletes or they're not wild. Really? They were like kind of reading my mind in a weird way. <laughs> In tech, like it was English. It wasn't like JavaScript or something. Oh, and, wild. you know, uh, it turns out that, yeah, I had I had Copilot enabled and I just had not for a second thought, oh, maybe Copilot's also going to try to help me with writing an article in English. So uh, maybe before just diving into like what that was like, I, you know, yeah. probably have to start with uh, just you know, I use the word copilot sort of out of the blue, but copilot is this uh, service that I think recently went GA from GitHub mm -hmm. where uh, you you turn it on inside of I, I don't know. I mean, for I know you can do it inside of VS Code. I'm not sure where else it goes, but it watches you coding and uses I don't know if it's AI or ML or what, but it starts auto completing things that it thinks that you might want to write in the code, which is mind-boggling on its own to think about is that there's this thing out there that can generate code based upon what you're typing. I mean, I guess in some ways there's enough boiler, like you start thinking that there's a lot of boilerplate and coding and there is, but this feels like it's more than just boilerplate. Like it's, it's actually trying to understand the concept of what you're trying to build. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. And I mean, like I, <laughs> Honestly, at some point too, it was kind of like, okay, exactly. There's a lot of repeated boilerplate, sorry, boilerplate code. Therefore, I can kind of see how they would get to a place where GitHub Copilot can be a thing. Although mm -hmm. I have no idea, you know, the level, you know, the massive amount of work that would have had to gone into making it awesome. Uh, but what I wouldn't have expected is that sort of like, okay, now we're going to also help you write articles in prose. And so that's that's where I kind of actually wanted to talk a little bit about yeah. Copilot today, uh, just to kind of dive into like how how it just goes above and beyond in ways that I wouldn't have expected. Yeah, because that's definitely um, like it would never <laughs> have occurred to me to try it with prose. I mean, code makes sense. Um, there's there's definitely I mean, that's that's what it's always used in the context of. So it's like in my brain, this is a coding tool. It's only going to work on JavaScript or some other language and yet to, to do it on plain text or markdown or something like that. Like it's almost like, like, I guess well, you left it on by accident. It's almost one of those happy accidents <laughs> to discover this versus like, Oh, this is not something that I would actually think to try. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, I thought what I thought that we might try here is just, uh, I have no real plan in mind. I just shared a link with you. Uh, and I don't know if you'll be able to access this on the fly. And if not, that's okay. Because I needed to describe this with my own voice anyway, since this is a podcast. Like, So what, I, what I'm going to do here is I've got VS Code open on, on, on my Mac. And I have a fresh markdown file. It's just titled, the file itself is titled article.md for markdown. There's nothing in it. And what I'm planning on doing here is uh, just, I'm going to start typing some stuff. And at the outset, the only thing that I'm thinking about is that I want to write a simple article that shows someone how to build a server with Node.js and Express, which is, you know, the most popular server framework for node. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure, just I'll check real quick and we don't, this doesn't have to be a blocker, but I'm curious, are you able to see the link that I just sent you? I did. And it is currently connecting to you. It says waiting for host approval. Ah, uh, yeah. VS code just sent me a thing that says, except for read only or except read, write. I'm putting you in as a uh, read, write. Um, but mostly I'm hoping that you'll be able to see what these autocompletes look like. And even if you're not, again, uh, the, the challenge is on me to, I've got to describe this well with my, only my voice so that people listening to this would actually benefit from it in some ways. Right. So, this should be fun. Uh, the, the, here the we challenges go. <laughs> of, of, of talking over your screen share in a way that still makes sense. <laughs> yeah, Totally. Okay, so here we go. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to make a heading, right? So one hashtag, and I'm going to say, I want to title this uh, making a server with Node.js and Express, right? Pretty vanilla, uh, but let's just see what happens. So I'm typing in making a server 
Okay. I don't know if you can even see some of these autocompletes popping up in article MD. Uh, but what happened there is I typed in making a server and it's already somehow reading my mind and I haven't, all I typed was making a server. The suggested autocomplete is with Node.js and Express. So I'm just going to hit tab and it's going to finish that. So great. I'm a genius because I just <laughs> typed in the, <laughs> I made a title and I only had to type in three words. So I guess I'm not the genius. Uh, and uh, what I'm going to do in this case is, uh, you know, see what what else I can do to leverage Copilot to make this article sort of like go or somewhere. And I'm not going to try to steer it in any particular direction. So I'm going to type out in this tutorial, comma, we will uh, make and then I've got, OK, code complete, right? All I've typed is in this tutorial, we will make the autocomplete is a simple server with Node.js and Express, period. We will Are also use we will also use the Express generator package to generate the project. And hey, guess what? Um, a lot of times that's actually what I do when I'm telling people how to, or I'm talking people through in writing, uh, how to get started with Express anyway. So, okay, that's cool. Oh, that's bonkers. Even Express generated, generator is in backticks because that is a node <laughs> module. It's like the, the, the bootstrapper node module for Express. Uh, and you know, it's, it's great for these kind of like getting started projects. So space, space, or sorry, two carriage returns, right? That's my introduction. Mm -hmm. Pretty basic. Next up, I've, I've done two carriage returns and I've already got a H2 heading in markdown that just says prerequisites. So that feels right to me. I'm just, thanks GitHub copilot. I'm going to go with that. First up bulleted list. I have a single bullet and it says Node.js. Yes. We're going to need node carriage return. Next, this bullet pops up as autocomplete and it just says NPM. Yeah, we need NPM. Next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. So bullet. And then of course we need Express too. All right. Thanks. Uh, mind reading co-pilot. Um, yeah, so I think that's everything we need for the prerequisites. I could probably, you know, that's a nice little list. So, so far we have a title, a brief introduction, a subheading about prerequisites and three bullet points that show you the prerequisites. Within this, I have probably typed eight words total, and the rest of it is coming from I don't know the oh, Microsoft Galaxy brain. So let's let's see what we can do to go a little bit further, right? Because I know we're going to have to continue here, uh, you know, just to see. Okay, like you know, we've got our prerequisites. What's next? So let's say, for example. I'm going to do a heading and it's not giving me anything yet, but that's okay. Cause you know, do your prerequisites. Let's say, uh, um, let's just go with building the project. Okay. Well, I typed in build and I'm already getting ing the project. So <laughs> great. Nuts. Cause I, I don't want to, I really, you know, it's always been so tough to, uh, for me to complete my own, uh, you know, gerunds with the ING. So great. Thanks, GitHub <laughs> Copilot. Whoa. And then I do, uh, sorry, this blew my mind, but okay, I did two, like I'm doing this live, right? So I haven't seen this before, but two carriage returns and I haven't typed anything yet in this next section. Here's the uh, suggested autocomplete. First, comma, we will create a new project using the backtick express generator backtick package. This package will generate a new project for us and we can use it to create a new project. Okay, that, was, that second sentence, a little bit wonky, but I can work with this. Right. After that, it has three back ticks followed by bash. So in other words, it's suggesting that I start some sort of like um, uh, bash sort of command. Right. So, okay, I'm going to accept all of that for now because I can go back later and revise. <laughs> next up, I hit a carriage return. Literally haven't typed anything in the section yet. The next line is, right? You think, okay, gives you triple backticks and it says bash. Now it's like, hey, human, think through what you want to tell the user or the reader to do. No, no, no. There's no thinking involved here because next I get a line that says dollar sign for bash, right? In <laughs> NPM install express dash generator dash G. So, okay. Are so, you? That's bonkers. Slightly, you know, I don't know if you even need the global flag any, anymore, like the dash G these days, but you can do it. Um, and then uh, I hit, I accept that. And then the next line in the bash script is express space my app. Um, I don't know if that's a thing or not, to be quite honest, but we'll go with it for now. <laughs> and then it's a uh, next up is uh, CD. So next bash line is 
uh, CD for change directory mm-hmm. and you go into my app. So, um, so then- it's being consistent there, even with, with respect to the name that it is generating. And this is the thing that I'm going to create, but it knows then the next line is CD to that same spot. That is. Which is nice. Cause that's like always a thing that you have to explain in tutorials anyway. It's right. like, make your directory, then CD into your directory. <laughs> and guess what? What it also read my mind about was uh dollar sign. The, the next line, right? Again, have typed nothing in this section and I will continue to type nothing because the final line is you've CD'd into the directory. Now the final line is NPM install. And then it gives you the triple back ticks and you're done. So, Oh my goodness. This is, oh, whoa. Okay. So I, I promise this will be the last little bit because I think I've sort of like made the point here about how crazy this is. So you close out that, those triple back ticks, right? Which is the, the, code, the code block. block. The next suggestion is, and again, I've typed nothing other than the carriage return. It says now comma, we can run the project using the back tick NPM start back tick command. And then it, it goes on to encourage you to do triple back ticks in a bash command. Uh, and of course, that auto completes with the npm start, uh, prepended by the uh, dollar sign for bash, and then it, it auto completes your triple backticks for that code block. I did one more carriage return, and then it starts talking about it, it gives like something that looks very nice about okay, this is going to start your server on port three thousand, and then it shows you can you know there's some text about you can go to so. <laughs> oh my Isn't this crazy? It's crazy, like all of these and- things. And you've written eight, nine, maybe if we're lucky, 10 words. Yeah. Yeah. 10 words. And so I don't know. Um, so That's anyways, mind blowing. I, you can tell I'm excited about this, but I'm just curious, like, because there's a lot of ways one can feel about a thing like this. And certainly when it comes to GitHub Copilot in code, which up until recently, that's all I thought it did. Right. Um, you know, her literally every possible opinion from developers on on that aspect of it but now we're saying okay great humans don't need to write english potentially either (laughs) or basically now we're just editors for the ai how do you feel about that um i i'm as is with most things technology there's a part of me that is like oh this is really this is freaking cool this is absolutely amazing um and it really makes me like uh, it it (laughs) it short circuits my brain a little bit. It's like how in the world, I mean, in in some ways I understand like it's been trained against a huge amount of data sets. Clearly this kind of writing, this style of writing, tutorializing guides and things like that is almost a boilerplate in and of itself. Like Mm. there, we do this, we, we follow the same patterns over and over and over again. And it has somehow learned from this. And that just blows my mind. That is, there's something exciting about that. And then the other side of my brain goes two directions. One is um, fact checking what it has now spit out. <laughs> is it for 3000? Is it express my app? I think it is, but I'd have to double check myself. So like there's a little bit of QA now to, to doing what Copilot has done, or there should be some QA. Like I think that would be, that's the flip side of my, uh, of the other direction my brain goes is, if we write it and then don't double check what it's saying, um, is there is there a path where it's almost too easy not to do our own quality assurance on it? I mean, we'd have to do QA on our own blog post if I wrote it myself. So it's not like this is freeing up that step, but is there a, a world where, oh, it must know what it's talking about, therefore I don't have to check it. Um, could that be um, a, potentially a problem? Um, that's mind blowing to me. Like there were definitely a few spots in there where you could tell the AI or whatever it was doing was uh, maybe going a little bit, uh, not astray, but um, the sentence structure was starting to get away from it. Yeah. <laughs> it gets bit. a little repeaty almost <laughs> like it'll, I, I think in one of the sentences it used the word, like the phrase, like new project, new project twice. And that's right. like a thing that, that we probably wouldn't do in real life. So it doesn't have an editor or, you know, like as far as a, a person editing the content. So it, it probably would still need that step too. But just the fact that it has even like, it, it makes sense. Like the, the stuff that I'm, I remember, um, and, and this is telling my age, but way back when I started computing is 
the the little programs you type in in basic and there was one called eliza and, and other ones and it was trying to simulate being you know a human-like conversation and it made no sense whatsoever past the first line because it was all hard-coded um reactions if you type to this then type this if you saw this word replace it with this word and you you could easily confuse it into making nonsense and yet this thing is not only making sense it's making sense about a specific topic and if i didn't know any better that of what you had just done and i read that content i wouldn't have guessed that it was computer generated no i mean it, it at best, you just like you might see a few things here and there where it's like, ah, oh, that could have probably used a once over with someone with a more keen editing eye. Uh, so here, here, here's the thing that as as I'm hearing you kind of react to this, one thing that you know we're we're talking about. Well, great, it still needs to be QA'd. So I think stylistically, that's just uh, that's a matter of time. Maybe mm -hmm. there's at some point like this feels at least for this kind of content already on the right side of the uncanny valley for me right yeah that having been said like you know one thing when it comes to like the technical veracity yes that, that type of qa here's the thing what is stopping you know a, a github copilot from having its ai then read my article do all <laughs> of the steps right you know, so in other words, like now it's this thing where it's like, okay, it's reading everything. It's like, oh, here's the prerequisite. So it goes and installs Node.js and NPM and Express, and then it runs the bash commands. And then it, you know, it does all of these things. And then at some point, like maybe I start, you know, like expecting, okay, thank you, GitHub Copilot for mostly writing my article. Thank you, GitHub Copilot for checking where thing where you encountered errors. And then I go and kind of like, you know, yeah. step by step, each time it encounters an error, I fix that. The the copilot then goes and reads my article and does the scripts again. And then next time it, it hits another error or whatever. Huh. Um I, I don't know, like that that's pretty wild, right? And then at some point I'm sort of like helping a couple of AIs almost like dance with each other with each other as the human in, in the equation. Pretty crazy. <laughs> It, 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 oh my goodness, that would be um, nuts. That's the just the thought of a QA copilot, and it's got to be got to be possible. I mean, there's so much of that stuff where it's like, yeah, you have this article, he, you extract out the steps, it has some expected output, make sure it runs to completion, and that it actually does what it says it does. Um, I don't know if it like there's always the question mark of how far can AI actually go in terms of, does it understand what it's doing? But in a lot of these cases, maybe it doesn't need the full understanding. It's just, this happens so frequently that it's almost, um, it's almost boilerplate for the QA is like, Oh yeah. NPM install. It installs no errors. Does NPM run start load a page in the browser? It does check mark. Why couldn't that be something relatively easily automated in this kind of form? And that's that's just absolutely fascinating to think about that these two different perspectives on it one is writing it the other one is testing it and they're both ais and yeah it they they it's it's almost i, I don't want to say it's a story out of twilight zone <laughs> because i don't necessarily <laughs> want to imply those connotations but there's something really really wild about that idea yeah i think uh for my, my general stance on this kind of thing typically is these things are inevitable. Yeah. Unless something crazy happens to the human race, which, you know, of course is seem feels possible all the time these days. Otherwise, you know, but in it kind of on the current trajectory we're on, I think that, you know, railing against this, you know, in, in any way is just a, a losing proposition. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I think I can, sort of safely state this as being a few years, a couple of years out of Adobe, but you know, like frequently when we talked about like AI features inside of Photoshop or something like that, there was always the sort of like public, well, is this a good thing or not? And mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I think those are important questions to ask, but I think it's also, you know, important to be realistic about right. uh, the fact that they're going to happen. And so like maybe the right thing to do is to help them in the right way. I think that's the biggest, uh in some ways, both concerned, but also to your point is, um, it's almost like, um, having, being a parent to a child, 
the child is going to continue to grow and mature and grow up. How they turn out um, is maybe a function of, of some, some, some degree of genetics, but there's also a lot of nurture and, and how you inform them about what the world should be like and, you know, instilling values into them. And that's kind of the same thing here is the AI will happen one way or the other. Um, someone's going to do it somewhere is, can we do it in such a way that we are guiding it along to a path that is of less bias or, or perhaps, uh, cause there's all sorts of ethical issues in there. But if we go into that eyes wide open and kind of like un- knowing that there is going to be this bias and can we create these training sets and everything else to help try to avoid that, or at least know where the limitations are, that feels like a a more sustainable path than saying here it is no guardrails you know we're not even bothering with the bias and and ethics of this discussion and just throwing it out into the world and the latter could very easily um get us into a world where ai just doesn't care (laughs) about all these things and so in in a lot of ways to your point if it does feel like is like railing against it and avoiding it is not helping the future that we want to come to come about where it is an AI that is helping us do our jobs and, and generating good, good content that is ethical content as well. Um, And because if, even if, if we're not a part of it, it's still going to happen. So it's like, wouldn't it be better to be a part of it and help guide all this? Yeah. And I'll, uh, I'll toss out, you know, a couple of, uh, kind of variations on this theme that I, I would love to kind of noodle around with, or, you know, in some cases, like these are like GitHub Copilot either does it or doesn't and in the future. But one is, for example, um, let's say, you know, generally if you're writing a tutorial to help somebody learn how to code um, on or build a certain type of project, you first build the project and then you write the t- t- tutorial around it. Right. I, I would assume that's the case for most people. It certainly is for me. Uh, you start with a repo typically, and then and then you build out from there into the here's how you here's how you do it. Mm-hmm. So what if I could hand Copilot my repo, which I probably <laughs> built largely using Copilot, and said, okay, so True. first I have some ideas about what I want to build, so I build it. You know, Copilot helped me get there and uh, pretty easily. And then I say, okay, hey, Copilot, now I want to write a tutorial about how this should be built. And then it looks at the repo and makes a first stab at this. That way I don't have to look, you know what? Here's the thing. Um, uh, I want to be as, you know, in some cases, like lazy as I can. Like I never want, if I never have to write a list of prerequisites for a tutorial again, um, to me, this is not a huge loss in my right. life. No, exactly. It's a gain. It's a win. Yeah. So why not just let it go ahead and do that? And then I'll, I'll go through it again. Like next is, okay, great. So Copilot, you helped me write the repo. You helped me write the article based on the repo. Then you checked the veracity of the article that you wrote. And now I'm kind of in the troubleshooting seat and then the stylistic seat on top of that, right? Kind of like give it its own sort of twist based on the voice that I want to project, mm-hmm. based on the sort of like, you know, dank memes that I want to add to the article to make it more fun or whatever right. it might be. Make it a little bit more, for lack of a better term, human. Um, but I, I'm even imagining one step further of... Um, there's always the inevitable questions and follow up after you post one of these things is there's always something that maybe, maybe you, you thought was assumed context that someone else didn't understand, or they're running into this weird esoteric error. Wouldn't it also be cool if this thing that understood the thing that you just built and also understood the article about what you just built could answer questions about it. It's like, oh, I'm running into this error when I when I add npm install step. And it was smart enough to go and say, oh, well, it's because this thing depended on package version XYZ or whatever, and then could generate troubleshooting support. There's something like now you can have a conversation with this thing that built the the repo and built the article guided by your ideas, but is now even one step further interactive. That's super cool. So that's like a more, um, let's say, 
user-centric path to something that I was going to think of or offer in my little grab bag there too. <laughs> it's a separate concept, which is if I want to learn something is maybe the best way to do it to open up VS Code with GitHub Copilot turned on and start writing my own tutorial, having never actually looked at any of this stuff. And then just hit the autocompletes and and hope for the best, because like I may have some specific like you know I for, for today's sort of demonstration, I purpose purposefully chose two technologies that are such a well trodden path mm -hmm. that it's unlikely um, you know that Copilot would have just totally fallen off the rails you know like there right. there yeah. are some things that I might want to do that surely Copilot probably that information doesn't exist yet. So who knows? But it kind of feels like the next time I'm out to learn something, like let's say for example, I don't know, like I want to do something really cool with the Notion API. Mm -hmm. And that's a relatively new API. There's not tons of information out there. So maybe I crack open Copilot and just start writing my own tutorial or in air quotes, writing, right? Mostly right. I'm just tabbing through auto completes and see where that gets me. Maybe maybe that's the best way to, to help me learn specifically what I want to learn. There's something really, um, what's the right, the, I, I'm, I'm missing the word, but there's like, there's a lot of different ways of, at least for me, that where I can learn best versus other ways. So, um, and in some ways it's almost becoming like, that's an interactive choose your own adventure style learning path versus here's just what someone else has written. And, you know, here's the recipe to accomplish that particular thing. But the particular thing that I'm trying to accomplish may not, like there may not be a path from there to the path thing that I want to build. And if there's something out there that can kind of bridge that gap a little bit, and I can, you know, I can tab through the autocompletes and see if it's if any of that looks like it might be heading the direction I want to go and then I can accept it and see the next one. There's something really cool about that from a learning perspective. Um, it would be interesting to see how much copilot, like currently how much, how much does copilot have to understand to actually get you there? Or does it also have, can it infer that Notion's API is a REST API and therefore there's a lot of concepts that would be the same and it can talk about those fluently versus, you know, where is the point where these things start to fall apart, um, which I think is really interesting. And But does it give you just enough of a nugget in your learning path to say, oh, well, maybe I need to look at this and this and this and, and follow those rabbit trails almost. And I like that thought of almost like learning in the future being this almost like that, you know, I think you said choose your own adventure or something mm -hmm. like a text-based adventure type situation where you're just kind yeah. of like, but it's, it's one that's never been created before and, and no human sat down and thought it out for you in advance. It's just simply an AI interacting with like where you're trying to go next. And like that, that's kind of really <laughs> cool. A really cool thought, isn't it? It It, it is very, very, very interesting. And of course, the, the sci-fi part of my brain goes into all these other areas is like, okay, well, at what point does this thing stop being a tool? And, and, you know, does it really understand what it's parroting back at you? Is it being creative all on its own? And so that raises all sorts of thorny questions, which I don't, I, I don't believe for the, for, for the, for an instant that Copilot is alive or it's being creative like it's been trained on a huge corpus and it's it's coming up with maybe new sentences perhaps but it doesn't understand i don't think understand what it's talking about in the same way we would say a person does but the day's probably coming probably sooner than we would imagine where maybe that does start to to, to factor in and that just sends me down all sorts of like okay is like there's not even just about the ethics of what you're of the content but now when does a tool stop being a tool <laughs> yeah um and i think you know as part of part of me there thinks okay if if i'm the human in the mix and some of these things go like right now there's still lots for me to do mm -hmm. like, although at least in this specific example that that we went through today there's less for me to do as the human, but like what, what would 
what I would be doing here, for example, is like, again, like going through and trying to spice it up and adding multimedia, but then like, at what point to, could I sort of like then go into certain Adobe tools that are, (laughs) have Adobe Sensei like baked into it that are also like, wait a second, you want to do this? And then it's like, we're going to give you 12 flavors of memes that might be appropriate for this. I pick one. Uh, The other thing though, is, is this where I think in a world where these systems are predicting, you know, a solid 80 to 90% of what we want to do. So like, for example, like if I'm Mm -hmm. building a code base like this, you know, it's like a small flavor of like build a server and maybe make a small SaaS app or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there, the, the, the magic in those types of situations is very little to do with your like bootstrapping the project itself. They're, they're everything, right. you know, what's the, you know, the business proposition and, you know, who are the stakeholders and what do they need? What, what value are they looking for? Like that, that, that's stuff that like, you know, an AI writing you an article anyways, is not going to help you get to. Mm-hmm. So at the same time though, if I'm looking from a pure technology perspective of, okay, what, is worth me spending my creative juices on trying to solve. Well, maybe it is actually like I'm constantly looking for stuff that GitHub Copilot cannot autocomplete. That's how I go. know. That's yeah. how I know as a human, right? That I'm at the edge. Now, that doesn't mean <laughs> I'm at a valuable edge. It just means that like this has not been done for before. Which is could could on all on all on its own be a very interesting signal is like you are in territories that at least in as far as GitHub Copilot's corpus is concerned, you have not found. It's like in the um I forget which search engine, I don't think it was Google, but in the early days of the internet, you could eventually land on pages where it's like, I've got no more results for you, and you're you know, you've hit the the end of the internet and all of that stuff. Um, it's kind of like those things is like now you're into truly novel territory, um, which I guess is a good signal that, hey, you're you're definitely treading new ground. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I think that like, I don't know. I will, I'm interested to see where this goes, but I, I'm honestly like as as much as I'm kind of laughing about all of this and like, you know, hyperbole, this is amazing and all of that. Like, to be honest, this feels like a, a new tool in my belt. Like, yeah. I will absolutely, like I said before you know, if never again, I have to write a list of prerequisites for someone embarking on a tech tutorial that I'm writing, like, that's fantastic. Um, Yes, yes, every time to that. And so like, now this is just like a new tool in the belt that will augment what I'm trying to do, hopefully help notice where there are gaps in Mm -hmm. things that I might have forgotten to add anyways, or otherwise just like, remove the tedium like what one other in in terms of just like a a a very basic example of tedium um you know when i was i was writing this article the other day uh one of the audio completes was not only you know just suggesting like say for example like in that that list of prerequisites it wasn't just suggesting the the text it literally put in markdown form the link to go out and and say to express yep so I didn't do that in this case for whatever reason. So I'm not sure like why and under what circumstances it would it would do that. But wow, like talk about my one of my least favorite things to do is like, okay, I just typed a bunch of stuff. Now I need to go through and like find the web links for everything that I want you to be able to link out or grab onto. I, I mean, yeah, saving those, um, like saving, saving my finger muscles, saving, you know, I mean, RSI is a thing in terms of typing a lot even in terms of that impact, like no one wants to have to type the preamble of go install. Here's the prerequisites, go install node type NPM install, blah, 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 blah. If it can even save those things, um, that frees up your resources for the actual creative stuff or the, the, the meat of the article that it may not be able to complete for you. And to me, I mean, this even harkens back to like the whole question of, you know, AI and art and things like that. And like Dolly and all of these other tools that can just generate so much for you is if it can one, I mean, there's a, there's huge value in just getting the inspiration from what's possible. Like, I mean, this is why lookbooks and galleries and everything else exists. It's just, you know, to inspire other people, but two, if it can take the tedium away And then I can focus on the truly, you know, make something unique that still is, you know, trying to 
speak my message, that is a win, right? Because now you can get, ideally, you can get more creative, more meaningful stuff out there versus the boilerplate that always had to, you know, it's always going to take up my time. If I can get the boilerplate out of the way, I can focus on the stuff that I really want to do. And maybe that makes the output more meaningful rather than less. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, I think my preferred MO, and I, I used this example uh, on a call the other day that got some some laughs uh, unintentionally, <laughs> but my preferred MO for creation in general is like at those early stages, it really is more about like, okay, like I want to get us as quickly as possible to a place where we have the block of marble in front of us. Now, mm-hmm. in tech, you have to create that block of marble first. But what yes. I mean, I guess, is that my preferred MO is like, I'm never painting a picture and considering, okay, every stroke is an indelible sort of like must get right. right and move on to the next one. Instead, what I'm trying to do is get to a place typically where we're producing first that giant block of marble. And then we take the, uh, and forgive me, I can't remember if it's Donatello or Michelangelo, but the one that said, you know, like their job as a sculptor was to free the form that was already mm-hmm. within. And so, right. you know, I think again, in knowledge work and in tech, the, 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 the challenge of course is like, yes, first you have to create that block and then you chisel away at it. Well, if AI and ML are going to help us like just have the block on the table, that's from, from my point of view, that's great. And then after yeah. that, like we're going to, we're going to chisel, we're going to free the, 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 the form that is trapped inside. Um, and that, that's, that's where I, you know, I personally want to spend my time playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, no one, I I don't know that anyone finds a whole lot of joy about building the boilerplate over and over and over again. I know I don't. And I mean, there's, there's so little creative ideas there. Like, I mean, the boilerplate is the structure. You know what that looks like. If it can solve that problem, plus maybe give me some inspiration along the way of, you know, as I'm chiseling it down, oh, wouldn't it be, you know, maybe you hadn't thought about this little aspect of it. And if, you know, in a way, so it's it's also being a co-pilot while I'm chiseling, um, that seems incredibly powerful. Um, so I'm, and, and like I said, I never thought about doing this for writing. So I it's it just fascinates me that, you know, how close are the, how close are the aspects of creating code and creating good writing? And maybe there's something so similar here that it works in both cases. Yeah. Well, super cool. And I, you know, maybe if I keep pushing on these days, I, again, like I find myself uh, authoring things less and less. There, there was a time where <laughs> there were certain SDKs that the company we both work at that like, you know, if, if there was writing happening, like a lot of that was coming straight from me. And then, yeah. you know, the, these days uh, I, I don't get a chance to sort of like put pen to paper as much on these kind of stuff that like, this will definitely be a part of what I do. And uh, yeah, I'm almost curious now, I think maybe as a next step uh, going out and just seeing like, has anyone else sort of tried, tried this, which mm-hmm. surely they have, uh, but has, has anyone been like kind of publicly talking about it and like, what are their thoughts? What are maybe some ways to get like the best results out of it? Um, when are the appropriate times to maybe just turn it off and let your own brain do some thinking for a right. while? Yeah. I, I I'd be curious to know that too. Cause I know there's been a huge discussion when we get to into the art world, like with, with the results that Dolly can do and some, to some extent in terms of the um, kind of like the, the um that some of this narrative back and forth where you can give the, give this ai a plot and it will kind of start weaving things out of that as if you're having a conversation but um this just feels uh i i yeah it had never crossed my mind to do like oh tutorials and these <laughs> things that are so i mean it's vital to the onboarding of any tool or product that you're building and yet if this thing can do can solve that and what, you know, what are the best practices about how you guide it in the right path to get something that is useful? Like the, what is it with Dolly? There's a lot of artists where you, where they, it's like, how do you craft the prompt in order to get the result you're after? And it feels like there's got to be some of, some use, um, best, best um, practices around that. 
Yeah, I like that. I've actually, so maybe as a kind of a closing thought, uh, you know, Dolly and, and the like are not things that I've really had much time to play with myself yet. Uh, and I've heard, I, I have been following along with others as, as they do noodle around with it. And certainly the, the art of the prompt is apparently a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so I've heard folks on different podcasts and on Twitter and whatnot, like talking about that. Um, one thing that was, uh, you know, I'll uh, admit some ignorance here. I did not know that some of these tools are now runnable on your local machine. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> I, d- I figured it would take forever before that even became possible. But or you'd have to have something crazy expensive, like, you know, 10 NVIDIA GPUs or something like that. But it's like um, I forget it wasn't Dolly. Um, there was a recent. um AI tool um, and I can't for the life of me think of think of what it was but where they just made it you know open source it and say yeah you can run this on your M1 MacBook Pro or whatever I think it was an M1 MacBook um, and on your local GPU and that feels like both um, in some ways uh, not not frightening isn't the right word I mean that that's very empowering but it also means now I mean like there's there's it's it's a even more democratic process in terms of he, now everyone who has doesn't you don't have to have a complex server farm in order to run these things. You can try these things out on your local machine. Maybe it takes a little bit longer, um, but that's still it, it, the value that you get out of that. Sometimes you're willing to pay in, in terms of time. It'll be interesting to see how long it takes us to get to the ability to prompt an AI to produce some music. <laughs> in a certain fashion that we want. Um, yeah. I, I went to, so years ago, uh, Spotify uh, here in New York, before they moved down to, is it Freedom Tower? Uh, the World Trade Center location, mm-hmm. like the, yeah. So before they moved down there, they were in Flatiron. And they used to do this thing, I say it was like once a month called Monthly Music Hackathon. Yeah, so it would have been once a month because that's what it was called. Uh, so yes, Monthly Music Hackathon. <laughs> um, and I I used to go, um, you know, fairly frequently. And yeah, it was uh, one of those things where you would have people, it was just like a day long of like just people in a room, like hacking on audio stuff. Uh, I've gone with some friends to make like just some crazy projects for a day and then move on with our lives. Um they would also have really interesting people come and like just talk about like things they had been building. And one of the folks at the time, um, and I, I, you know, whoever this is, is certainly long lost in the back of my brain somewhere, unfortunately. But what I do remember is he had put together like all of these sort of ambient sounds and certain progressions and synthesizers mm-hmm. or whatever in MIDI to basically continually be creating ambient uh albums interesting and he kept cutting them as albums over and over again so like he basically had the ability to like just basically throw some throw some sounds in or i guess midi files or whatever into a folder and just have that be constantly producing tracks and albums forever (laughs) now i mean obviously in that case like with with certain types of ambient music like you could probably kind of get away with that, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not the same as like talking to GitHub Copilot and saying, well, I'm looking for something that's a mix between Radiohead's Kid A and, um, I don't know, Abbey Road. Mm-hmm. Right. That 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 would be, um, that feels like that would be an, a very challenging thing for it to reply back, you know, anything sensible to. And yet you have with the image synthesis, you you do have that in a way you can say, like, I want this kind of object in the style of famous painter or in a fusion of these these styles. And it doesn't mean it may not always get it right every single time. I mean, there's still this this element of picking the best and and choosing what is actually matching my vision. But if it can do it for art or for visual art, it feels like it surely is not impossible to do with a big enough corpus and, you know, a reasonable understanding of the the harmonic structure and all of these things going on in music. It feels like it should be possible 
to generate that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Well, it's only a matter <laughs> of time. And I, I don't know, for me, I can't wait to play around with it. I'm not, I'm not scared. Uh, Maybe may the famous last words, but I think, I think it only gets more interesting from here. So uh, as a way to close out, I just thought that I would note uh, that, um, yeah, looking through, um, like, as, as we were kind of closing out some thoughts here, I, I just kind of kept hitting the tab key in my, mm -hmm. um, in my project on that article. And I won't read it word for word, but it, it after that, so we talked about, we had had the title, the introduction, the prerequisites, building the project, which is just like getting it up and running. The next section that it added was adding a route and it, it offered a blurb and a code oh. sample. Uh, and then it told me where to go on localhost to hit said route. Then it jumps, it, it said, okay, I guess like it wants this to be a pretty short article. So it went right to conclusion. It talks about what we did and then it offers a next steps, next steps section um, that for reasons that may have to do with my GitHub account, it made a link and it made a, I'll have to show this to you later, actually. You may find this curious because it made a link that says, okay, it's making a server with Node.js and Express. The link in Markdown goes to developer.adobe.com and then into Photoshop UXP 2022 <laughs> slash guide slash getting started slash making a server with Node.js and Express. I don't even know if it, I mean, again, like, if that, that article is, is ever written, I don't know about it, but there uh, maybe, is one. Okay. Well, I don't know. So it must know enough about my GitHub account to know uh, where I spend my time or have. And then after that, it, it does a resources section that is all links to. So remember earlier how I said like, mm -hmm. oh, it, it did in the prereqs, it didn't link to Express. In the resources section, it basically rehashes that whole sort of all the dependencies uh -huh. and it links to each one. Oh, that is hilarious. Yeah. So, I mean, at some point, you know, you mentioned RSI. I guess the main thing that I need to worry about in the future is like protecting my pinky, which is very busy hitting the tab key constantly. The, oh, so you need to alternate between fingers pressing tab and and you'll know that that'll extend the lifetime of your pinky muscles. <laughs> All right. Well, Carrie, this has been a, so much fun. I, I never thought that we'd end up talking about <laughs> GitHub Copilot and writing uh, you know, technical articles in English, not Me just either. code for an hour, but here you go. And I think we've just scratched the surface and probably GitHub Copilot is just starting to scratch the surface as well. But um, this has been uh, super fun to dig into with you. Likewise. I mean, exciting times ahead and I'm sure we will be talking about it more. Cool. All right. Well, until next time, um, I'd rather be scripting. <laughs>